1: hello welcome to to be a terrier Stephen chicken here not joined down the line by david hartrick how are you doing dave i've never had a stomach upset like it how are you i'm good thanks i know how you are in fact you're very very pleased with yourself you're just responding to me through the power of editing magic because you're ill once again aren't you um unfortunately your stomach bug has returned yeah it was uh stinky wasn't it i've had to just find some old clips of you from previous podcasts and edit you in just to give the illusion that I'm not talking to myself because I'm just basically doing this one solo. But feels a bit weird to have just 20 minutes of someone talking to themselves. Um, This podcast is weird, isn't it? You can just respond virtually uh, if you like. Does that work for you? We have to slightly embrace the weirdness. Great stuff. So, Huddersfield Town 2, Hull City, nil. Excellent result. A result that they desperately needed. It was a bit of a six pointer this one. Hmm. If they hadn't won this game, the way that the other results went elsewhere in the championship, there's some weird results on Saturday. (laughs) Feels like a bit of a, a strange division this year. It feels to me, just sort of from this opening quarter of the season, my gut feeling is just that. The teams at the bottom are maybe a bit better than the teams at the bottom were last season. The teams at the top are maybe not as good as, as the teams at the top yeah. were last season. I think that's sort of re- reflected in the fact that you've got three points separating first and seventh at the moment. And you've got three, you know, you've got f- what, five points separating 14th and 23rd. We'll not take Coventry into account because they do have two or three games in hand on most of the division. But. If Huddersfield Town hadn't won this, there'd have been five points from safety, admittedly with that game in hand, and mm. yeah, it, it would have been a real uh, tricky situation for them, but getting that win just means that they're now three points off Hull City. If they win their game in hand, they, they would go above Hull, they'd go above Middlesbrough, they'd go above West Brom, so... They're one win away, that game in hand, effectively uh, from getting themselves out of out of the relegation zone, which I think psychologically is massive for Desfield, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, I, can, I agree. Because we we talked before about how if they get into that international break, that World Cup break, still in the bottom three, it's a very long month for them, very long month for the players, where everyone's down, and a very long month for the fans. Where and you said to me, this to me in the press box, Dave, that it's. A month where the fans can sit on their phones and complain about everything that's wrong. I think we need to see town gathering some momentum going into that break and and preferably being out of that bottom three and preferably some way out of that bottom three going into that break. And this is a step towards it. We don't know, obviously, not mind readers we can you know we can summon up a podcast partner out of nothing but we can't see the future unfortunately adobe audition does not have that functionality just yet but town needed to get a win sooner or later and let's be honest against a team like hull they had to get that win cuz hull city to be honest that they've been in really bad form they've got the worst defense in the division If they couldn't get that win against Hull, then you worry where they were going to get goals and going to get wins. But they did it in this game, despite the fact that they didn't actually play particularly well for the first half hour or so until the goal i thought town i thought it looked like a a game between two very poor sides going at it two bottom half sides both teams were very nervy very wasteful town kept giving away the ball in their own third Hull every time they got the ball would just panic into a shot from from distance and just blaze it over the bar it felt like it was going to take something scrappy um, or a set piece to produce the first goal and, and it was a bit of both in the end set piece into the box half cleared Kamara actually his first pass isn't great but a bit of pressure helps him get it back and mm. Kamara not known for his, his wing play gets up that left hand side and puts it across and Louis Coyle turns it into the back of his own net another own goal for Huddersfield Town I think we're still going to give the third goal against Luton to, to Ben Jackson until that is sort of officially overturned Um even though it did look like an own goal, which would make own goal Town's top scorer this season. Uh, But it was important just to get that goal however they got it. and Literally. Immediately after they got that goal, I thought Town looked a lot better. I think there are a few players on the pitch who had looked a bit nervy. I thought Jack Rodoni was, was quite poor throughout, but in fairness to him, he was, let's face it, it was only playing because David Kasumi was suspended, Jonathan Hogg was injured. Uh, I, I think that deeper-lying midfield role is not playing to Jack Rodoni's strengths particularly, and he he wasn't great. He was being a bit over-ambitious. I think he's a player who likes to play that final ball, but because he was playing deeper, he, instead of sort of adapting to the demands of the role, he was looking to lock knock long balls over the top regardless even though he was sort of 20 yards back from where he'd normally be and ended up just punting it into the keeper's hands or straight to a defender a couple of times which is a bit disappointing I thought Etienne Kamara didn't have the best start to the game he looked a bit uh inconsistent with the ball a little bit patchy hmm. Utenaki as well had some weird moments a couple of moments where he'd make a good tackle or a good interception and then not get it clear or, or give it straight away which we've seen from a couple of times this season but After they got that goal, they really settled into the game. I thought they they instantly started playing with a lot more zip, a lot more energy. We'd seen earlier in the season... And we saw it against Luton that when town went ahead, they've had a bit of a tendency to uh, become a bit desperate and a bit panicky. Yeah, Mark Fotheringham made clear that he'd given them a rollick in at halftime. Uh, and we're going to play the press conference for you. Mark Fotheringham's press conference, which we wouldn't normally do, but I thought it was uh, a pretty exceptional and outstanding uh, press conference. And I want everyone to hear it. Plus, obviously, it's going to be a shorter podcast when I'm effectively talking to myself, Dave. and. Uh, so we'll we'll stick that on at the end. But I thought the improvement started after the goal and after half time. The difference in several players was really notable. I thought Yuta Nakayama had a really really good second half. Etienne Kamara really really good second half. Mikhail Helik was outstanding throughout. He made a block in the first half that was really important. He made a tackle in the second half on a Stupanjan that was massive. Town did get a big let off with Ryan Longman going clean through on goal and and not putting it in the net, but I think it's interesting that we've seen. We talked previously about how that midfield looks like it's taking shape. You know, mm. David Kasumo and Etienne Kamara look like the the midfield pairing for the longer term. With the greatest respect to Jonathan Hogg, I don't think you disrupt that that too if you can possibly help it. Dwayne Holmes, I think, is. On and off, you know, he's he's a little bit patchy at times. He does good things and bad things in games. Um, but I was interested actually looking earlier at the chance mm. Huddersfield Town's chance creators this season from open play, and Dwayne Holmes and is right up there with Sorba Thomas. We know that they're not doing enough for open play, so it's a little bit damning with faint praise. But when you're looking at important players in Huddersfield Town's season in terms of the goals they have created and the chances they have created, Dwayne Holmes has been as important as anyone. I think he's probably just, at that mo- at the moment, he's sort of filling in that role for Tino Andrew, and I think as soon as Tino's back fit, he's the player you want in that number 10 role. But um, that midfield is coming together now, and I think in this game, we finally, this season, saw a defence that looks good and that you can continue to use, because all season we've been trying to work out what actually is Huddersfield Town's best, back four, back five, back three. They've played... 13 games in all competitions this season and I've had 10 different centre-back set-ups. This is the first time that we've seen the one that I thought on paper looked like the best one which is um, Tom Lee's on the right Mikhail Hillick in the middle and Yutenaki on the left and then as you went back, you got Sorba, Thomason and Ben Jackson. I think Ben Jackson is worth talking about. I think we sort of touched on him after the Luton game, but he's really emerged as an important player. And it, it sort of occurred to me watching this game and watching how he was causing a whole a lot of problems with his direct running. He's the closest thing that Town have in that squad at the moment to, to Harry Toffolo, who we know as an extremely effective left back or, or left wing back last season. And <laughs> Ben Jackson has really made the most of his opportunity, uh, forced the goal, if not scored the goal against Luton. And I thought, you know, he did himself absolutely no harm, he was actually good against Reading, uh, was decent against Luton, had you know, didn't really have any problems defensively, was decent going forward, and he he continued to improve in this game. I really like that because he's genuinely two-footed he can come inside as well um the 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 i was looking earlier at that moment in the game where town got three shots off in really quick succession they had Rhodes had one tipped onto the post Lee's had one blocked and then helic had one cleared off the line that was a ben jackson ball with his right foot after cutting in from a, a short sober thomas free kick out on the left hand side and mm. i think jackson is looks really really promising and that back five just wouldn't disrupt and to say that midfield looks good and obviously it's Warden Rhodes up top they don't really have a they've got Tariq Simpson as the third striker obviously he's not going to be back until uh, around or after the world cup break Charles Ondo was named on the bench for this game and and, and came on um but obviously, you know, he's a very young player. I don't think any of us expected him on the team sheet. I've seen him a couple of times for the B team and he's promising, but he's 18. And I'm not sure he's necessarily ready for championship football yet or, or a lot of minutes in championship football. I don't mind him. There is a gap in that squad for a centre forward. And I don't mind him if you want to use him to bring on for Danny Ward if Town are looking comfortable in the game. And, and the result is almost assured. And he just wants someone who's going to run defenders and stretch stretch play a bit. And give Danny Ward a rest because we know that he does. He doesn't have a, a massive history of playing ninety minutes since he returned to to town. But um, it's sort of coming together now because we you know obviously Lee Nichols is your number one. That back five looks good. That midfield looks like the midfield for Town going forward. And obviously you've got the front two. And we've spent all season trying to find Town's best eleven. And I think for the time being this is their best 11. There's a few players still to come back. We mentioned Simpson. He's a little way off yet, but Jonathan Hogg hopefully isn't too far off. Pat Jones hopefully isn't too far off. Tino Andrewan, uh, obviously he's been ill. It's it's more difficult to predict with him, but you, you'd hope that he could have a speedy recovery. Um, So there's still players to come back to answer that squad, but obviously you had three B-teamers on the bench against Hull, and that felt like... Mark Fotheringham sending a message and we just outright asked him as you'll hear yeah. and you'll hear his response to that. He was like, Yeah, you're damn right it was sending a message. The players he left out, Kane Kessler Hayden, John Russell, at Luke and Betsey, were all um were all fit and available for selection. They just weren't picked and reading between the lines Fotheringham was basically saying if you don't perform in training then you're not going to get picked and he'd also said after Luton game he sort of defended Lucan Betay he says he's got a big future in the game got all the tools and he repeated that in the press conference on Friday morning as well but mm. he, he had also said if you make mistakes you won't be in my team and I, I kind of like that ruthlessness. You know, I think Carlos Corbran was quite ruthless at times as well with his selections. Danny Cowley, when he first came in, part of the reason they got that uplift, I think, was because he made an example of a number of players, of of three players who he dropped out of the squad altogether. Um, And, you know, Carlos Corbran, last season, I think, of Scott High, for instance, had a bit of a mare against Swansea and then we didn't see him again until for for several months. Uh, And I think you need to have particularly in the position town are in, you need to have that ruthless streak to try and keep standards up and to send a message to players that, look, if you're not performing, I'd rather pick Brody Spencer and Brahima Diara and Charles Ondo than players who are on loan from Premier League clubs or who have played, you know, 20 games, 20 plus games for the club last season. So I think that's a, a good stall to set out. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's like it was a few years ago with Mbenza and Diakabi and Kengola where it's like, there isn't really a way back under this head coach i think if if those players do book their ideas up and, and impress Mark Fotheringham again in training. There's every reason to believe that they can get back into the side, but I think it's impossible to to deal with that approach because you said to me, Dave... If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And we know that these players were not performing for the Town, which is why they're in the position that they're in. Uh, and it's not just those players, there's a few others as well, but I think Russell in particular and Bette in particular... Um, had just not been up to it and I think it's the the right thing to do to to send the message and set the stall out and say if you're not performing you don't play uh I think it's the the right thing to do so yeah I, I think let's be honest Hull City were no great shakes the the third goal sorry the second goal that town got getting ahead of myself there second town second goal that town got was uh was another set piece into the box and Hold had a couple of chances to deal with it, but they didn't. But you know, we know that town can be dangerous. Um, we know that that they've got players who centre backs who can attack the ball well. Danny Ward, I thought, did really, really well to dig that out from the byline and get it across the face of goal. Easy finish a helic in the end, got got the run on Louis Coyle.
2: I'm just gonna stop you there, Steve. My name's Jim Chisholm. Don't worry. I'm not I'm not coming back to host the podcast. Stephen and David do a stellar job far better than I could. But I am here to tell you that I'm doing a two-day sponsored hike in November to raise money for the Welcome Centre Food Bank, and I'll be walking around 35 miles from Manchester to Huddersfield via Marsden and Home Firth, sleeping outdoors along the way. And I'll be doing so dressed in a full Leeds United kit. Why? Well, because that's what the good people at Twitter.com voted for, and who am I to question the wisdom of the mob? So if you have A few quid to spare or or time to share a link. All you have to do is go to the GoFundMe website, search Welcome Centre and click donate. Your donation will help alleviate food poverty in Huddersfield and the wider community over the winter. And seeing as everyone's definitely interested, my musical recommendation is Bob Dylan's latest album, Rough and Rowdy Ways. Some people just get better with age.
1: Hull are not a good team, but... Again, in the position Towner in, we're not asking them to go and do what they did at Craven Cottage last year against Fulham. We're not expecting them to go to the likes of, of Sheffield United and QPR and get results at this stage. Well, maybe that'll change because they're both not too far off those games but the, against those those opponents. But, you know, the run that they've got at the moment, the run of fixtures they've got, they've got Rotherham coming up, they've got Preston coming up, Sunderland, um, Middlesbrough, these are teams that have been up and down this season um, and and several of them in the bottom half. If Town can get results against them, even if they lose to all of the rest of the top half, if they beat the teams in the bottom half, particularly at home, they're going to be just fine. and They're going to rise up the table. And as I said on the podcast last week after the Luton game, I did worry after Reading. Reading was sort of put in my mind, because uh, I'd sort of assumed they're just going to get out of it. They'll they'll get a new head coach and they'll, they'll rise up the table. I think the Reading game, I know that they're doing very well at the moment, but sort of confirmed to me that maybe it isn't going to be as simple as that. But I think the last two games have restored a little bit of faith that they can do it. You know, I think it's easy to say because they also benefited from mistakes at the other end, but I think you take... And Bete's mistakes out of that performance against Luton there's every chance that they win that game and yeah they got away with a couple against all but I also thought they defended a lot better um, not just the back line although as I say I thought Helic was outstanding but even in that first half when things weren't going so well you and I and a couple of other people around us Dave said the way that they're chasing down second balls Jordan Rhodes Danny Warden and Dwayne Holmes between the lines and stopping Hull from from winning the ball too easily in their own third I thought was positive positive. and we know that Kasui and Kamara can be exceptional at the base of that midfield as well so it's another clean sheet it's back-to-back home wins second clean sheet of the season if they can make the John Smith Stadium a bit of a fortress then who knows you know we might see them start to climb and I think the main thing is just that we've got a bit of hope restored now I don't think anyone's expecting Town to do what Nottingham Forest did last season and go charging into the playoffs although it is a very congested table as I say but um, you would hope that and unfortunately this isn't the first time we've said this this season but you would hope that this is set down a baseline for them now and they say look this kind of performance this isn't going to get us to beat your Burnleys and your Swanseys but it's going to be enough to beat your Hulls and your Blackpools and your Middlesbroughs, based on current form at least that's the minimum standard we need to reach um minus that first 30 minutes I suppose where they were pretty dreadful but yeah I think there's there's real positive signs out of that game I think we'll dig into it a bit further um, and what Mark Fotheringham has done differently because I think we've seen a little bit more of what he wants in each game i put in the conclusions. I think we saw sort of 15, 20 minutes of it against Reading. We saw maybe 40 minutes or so of it against Luton. And we saw 60 to 45 to 60 minutes of it against Hull City. And they weren't spectacular by any means, but they were just competent. And how many games have we talked about this season where we've come out of it going the basic level of competence you need to win games and to be competitive just, just isn't there. And that looked like, particularly second half, just looked like a team of 11 players who were just doing their jobs. You know, not not, again, not outstanding. Not, we're going to, you know, HMS you know what the league can't swear on this podcast it's not me being prurient um but um but it's a baseline level of competence that they need to have and as I say (laughs) I'll play the press conference in a moment but after talking to Matt Fotheringham after the game I felt like I could go and play 90 minutes let alone what the players must must think and I think this game and particularly that second half after they got that telling off sorts it sort of tells us the players are are on board with this now. Um and if they're not then he's not going to have any compunction about dropping them out of the side. It's uh, an away trip to Rotheringham. Rotheringham. I knew this was gonna happen. Yeah as soon as we got Mark Rotheringham I thought <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be typing Rotheringham uh, when we play Rotherham and now I've said it. Idiot. Uh we've got Rotherham at the weekend, which I think might be the first ever example of a Friday night game getting moved to Saturday afternoon for live TV coverage. And Rotherham started the season really well, but I think the signs were there even before Paul Warren left that they were gonna drop. Uh and sure enough, that's what they've done since the international break. You know, they lost at home to Wigan, they drew at home to Millwall, and they've they've been battered by Blackburn, who, to be fair, look good this season. They got battered by Blackburn at the weekend as well. And I think uh, in the position Towner in, a point would be acceptable. But I think they'll be they'll be looking for, for three points here if they can possibly get it. It's also good, I think, to see the fans responding to Fotheringham as well. Because I know a lot of people were very sceptical when he came in. Um, but I think he started turning people around from that first press conference and that first training video that the club put out. I think people are starting to get it a little bit now and I really like the the bit of the presser that I particularly liked was where he said you know I'm not going to talk about someone asked him about his links with McGatt and Klinsman and how useful it is to get advice from them and he just said well I'm not going to talk about the Bundesliga anymore um you know I'm I'm my own man and and we're going to do things my way and yeah I think it's looking a lot better, that could very quickly change. If we go to Stoke and if we go to Rotherham and then home to Preston and away to Middlesbrough in that sort of three games in eight days again and and they're back to their old tricks, then those could be, you know, we talk about what a good result this was in a six-pointer. Rotherham and Middlesbrough are six-pointers as well, less so Preston. But um, Preston, you know, obviously are a team that won 4-1 in the Carabao Cup against a not entirely changed Huddersfield Town 11 uh, back in August. If they don't get results in those games, you know, we said the very, very bare minimum they needed to get onto survival form was uh, was seven points, sort of six, seven points from these five games. They've got three already. Preferably, I think they want to get nine from these five games up to the end of October, Uh, so two wins in the next four would be absolutely fine, and anything they can get, well, more than fine, it'd be good, a good return, and anything they get beyond that is an absolute bonus, so they you know we could very quickly turn we've been quite up and down we've had a couple of false dawns already this season but hopefully we see more of that second half performance over the coming games and more of an even keel more composure and more men in the box more in attack as well because I think it's easy to say well the defense has been dreadfully needs to fix the defense but you know they also need to fix the attack you know that they, they, they the the defensive job is not going to happen overnight the attacking job is not going to happen overnight And he's got to sort of impose his will to to where he can at the moment with the players that he's got so town's best chance of getting results is to improve both uh and improve them you know even if Doing one comes at the cost of the other. I think the cumulative effect is going to be better overall because it helps at both ends as well. You know, Carlos Corbran always used to make the point, if you're not attacking well, you're putting yourself under pressure because you're losing the ball an awful lot. And if you're not defending well and you're not winning the ball, then you can't go on the attack. So there's a balance there. I think Wotheringham has a clear idea of what he wants and hopefully the players respond to that. I'm going to play you the press conference now. Sorry, it's a bit of a weird podcast this week, but, uh, needs must hope you enjoy the presser and we'll be back with you. I think it will be, I think it'll probably be after the Preston game next week that we'll be back with you. Oh, and before I go as well, uh huge congratulations to everyone who did uh, walk for pounds as well. Um, really good causes that money is going to fantastic effort for the synod 25 going to the jordan synod foundation uh, to the town foundation and to yorkshire air ambulance three uh, really excellent charities and if you can donate uh then do so and you should also have had a plug for another fundraiser that's going on as well uh that you know i know that times are tough for everyone at the moment so honestly if you can't if you can't contribute that's absolutely fine uh retweets would be appreciated if you can't make a donation uh or even if you can to be perfectly honest because we want to spread the word but uh yeah uh well done to everyone who took part in them and, and well done to jim as well best of luck with that we'll see you next time uh,
0: Mark, congratulations! First winning charge. How do you assess the game? Well, um, first of all first press conference at the home stadium. It's really lovely to be here and to meet you up and speak to you in person. It means a lot to me as well. Um, what I would say is that in the first half, I was very unsatisfied with how we were in possession because we were doing a lot of things that's not what we looked on worked on in the training. Um, I was quite strong on uh, two or three of the young lads at half-time but they really showed me a good response in the second half. And I do feel that when we click into gear, because we've got so many offensive players in our offensive positions in the team, that we're going to give teams big problems. Yeah, it
1: was. I think it was quite notable after the goal uh, that sort of nervy start went away, and the players started to show a bit more
0: confidence. Yeah, I mean, it's important that we have a good structure and I keep talking about you're now starting to see a real clarity on what we're about. The Reading game was a hard one for me because I only had two days with the team. Guys, I have to make this clear. I need to train these players. I've got to train these players day in, day out to make them better. I can't do it by standing on on the analysers, speaking to the laptop, that's not how I work, I need to train the players on the pitch, I need to with them, put them in position, I need to challenge them, I've got to make the whole environment more competitive and I keep telling you, I'm not here to be their friends, I'm here to win games, I'm getting paid a good salary to go and win games for this club and that's why I'm passionate, I'm going to go all in on this and the lads are showing me that they've got commitment and desire. You're not winning games like that when you're a team at the bottom of the league if you're not committed. Not just the starting players, but the subs as well and the guys that were in the squad. That's the pleasing thing for me. But in terms of the performance, I think we could be much more cleaner, much more smoother in position. And we're getting good positions in the box. And if we're finishing tidies up, we could really go and hurt the opposition set pieces again that led to the goals um, Etienne did great <laughs> weird to see him yeah. going outside his well and, and, and crossing yeah absolutely Etienne's got the eye of the tiger Etienne's got fire in the belly he's such a, a quiet calm boy outside of the pitch but when he comes on the pitch he's like a lion he's like a lion out there and he plays beyond his years and he, he, he makes my, my football heart burst with pride when I see a young player play with confidence like that you know so I was really happy that he had presence in the goal and when they talk about set plays, we're relentless on the set plays. Every single day in the training we're focused on it, we take our time, we make sure the movements are good and we we, we obviously have a lot of options there, not only with Sorba with the delivery, we've got two or three other guys working in the background as well to get up to Sarva's level. And Mikhail Hellick
1: I thought was exceptional in defence. Good to
0: off with a goal as well. Yeah, M- Michael's a great guy. He's got a big presence there. The back three and the goalkeeper are all fantastic lads. And they're really committed and they, they're starting to get intensity, you know. We're challenging them every day in the training and they're starting to get to the level that I expect from them, you know. So it gave us a good solid base to, to work from today, which was pleasing. I agree, it was quite sloppy at times in the
1: first half. Were you happy we brought with what you saw after the break?
0: I was angry at half-time, guys. I can't accept that in possession because I know that we've got so much more to give and we've been working on the movements every day in the training and they were doing moves there today that I've never seen. I've not seen these moves before. I've not seen the moves before. So there were two or three things a day I was saying, that's not, my, that's not my moves, that's not our team, that's not what we've been working on. But. As I said, it's my job to challenge these guys, to get them better, to be more slicker, more positive, more confidence when you're on the ball, to control games, to own, own the pitch. Stop worrying about what was in the past. It's not. We can't affect that now. We can only affect what we can do now in the future, day by day in the training and building towards the games. Do
1: you think it was better
0: after the break? Yeah, I do. I think it was better. And I do think that if we scored the third one, and where they, they all scuffle the ball off the line and to be fair to how the defender, it, excellent, then you send a statement out, that's the level we're at now. And it's about these young players keeping consistency so they're no dipping, you know. And I thought the experienced ones were great the other day, they just keep driving them on all the time. It felt like a bit
1: of a statement your team see today, three beatings on your
0: sub bench, is that the message you want to send to the CD player? That is exactly the message. It's not to the senior players. Guys, if you coast in my training and you train one day out of five days leading to a build-up to a game and you're not at it, you'll no be in my team. That's not how I work. I don't care if you're Jordan Rhodes on the big money or you're a guy like Etienne who's on the small money. If you're no at it the training, you'll no be in my starting 11 or on my bench. And we've got players coming back now, guys. So that's the way it's got to be. It's got to be competitive. And that's the, that's the environment I need. I'm no needing a paradise in that, that training ground. I need it to be aggressive and horrible so that we're working and we're doing doubles and we're doing things right and everything's with intensity. We've got to work, we've got the sweat, we've got to fight and that's what we've got there on the pitch. So this is the environment we're trying to create and it's only started. We need to keep it going. We're kinda let our standards drop now for the weekend. So it must be great
1: as well for you to step out on your home turf for the first time since
0: second this That was the thing that made me so excited, is to be here in front of you guys and to see these fans. How much they push the team it's incredible, you know? It's not always like that. I've been involved at clubs that have been struggling, and they get on your back, but they're not like that. They're pushing every week. All family people, all working-class people, that are paying good hard-earned money to come and watch this team. And every time I go to bed at night, it sticks in my head any the team that's going to identify with these people and to make them proud and that's what I'm doing. It doesn't no matter if you make bad passes, it doesn't no matter sometimes as the football is not so nice on the eye but you've got to work, you've got to be committed and you've got to be aggressive when you've not got the ball because this is what our fans deserve guys. Do
1: you feel like this is a result that you can now build on and, and something to push you on to, to performances now as well as results?
0: We're just building every day. We're never getting ahead of ourselves because we know how tough a league this is. So you know the way I work now. I've been in the building daily, training. What could we make better? How we are going to improve in certain aspects of the game? For example, when they had the one-on-one on one with the keeper at half-time, the game could have swung. And they're a good side. We respect always the opposition, but we focus on ourselves. And that's what's going to be our biggest strength. Cheers. Cheers. Back. um half time came up earlier in playing uh, coaches if you're keeping an eye on the and stuff like that. What's the reason that? Exactly what you said. I always do it. I want to see the body language from my subs. I also want to look at what Hull's doing. That's why I come out. Guys, the way I work, right? Everything I do is done in the week. I'm no needing to coach when the game's going. I push players and challenge them. Our work's done in the week, because we're relentless and we're professional. And we've got a great staff here that everybody's working in one direction to try and slowly get success for this club again. So when I come out at time, I need to get a feeling. I like to look in my subs, look in their eyes, see if they're ready and be aggressive. And that's important for me. If you show me bad body language, if you're sloppy and you come out and you're dressed sloppy or anything like that, you'll not play in my team. You will not play in the team. That's not going to happen. And Conor Mahoney's is as a bit of a no wide player. at the beginning, and the as well. Yeah. That just tactical, really. No. What I think with Conor is that he's built up so much confidence at the moment because you guys will know better than me, but he's starting to change physically. And that's all credit to our staff, because they're working on him behind the scene, scenes. Very similar to what I was when I arrived from Freiburg into Norwich could run all over the place but more strong physically and when you start to go on an English programme and you get strength and more robust for the league you get big confidence as a player and Connor's confidence is going through the roof so what he's able to do now is he's able to play in various positions he started today in the 10 then he dropped into an 8 then he dropped into a 6 see he's a head coach so important that you've got players that are flexible and young ones that have got room for development So I'm satisfied with Connor and he's got to keep working hard. I'm gonna
1: say that from some of your other players that you could
0: translate them in all positions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean we've got guys in there like Utah today, Utah was outstanding. Utah could play left back, he could play left, side centre back. My two guys that come on to close the game in the back five were Turton and Josh Ruffles, they were also really good. Every player that come on the day and every player that was used, they come on with real desire and they were so focused and concentrated to make sure we took the punch. Nobody's coming here and getting easy games anymore. It's not going to happen under my watch, guys. It's just not going to happen anymore. Congratulations on the win, Matt. Thank you very much. Thanks, I a couple more to maybe Yeah, what's pleasing for me is that we, you know, we've got a big injury list and they guys have also got to come back now. And when I look at them, like, you know, maybe they'll know this and I'll have to touch on it. I had six, seven guys today at that club in the gym, injured players, working in the gym before the game because they're all so excited to get back in this team. And this is going to be hard for me because I care for these players and you can see the way I am about strong relationships with my players and I challenge them. But the tough part is that not everybody could play guys, but I'll use my squad. And like I say again, if you're coasting the training, you will not be involved in the squad. It's not going to happen, guys. You're getting paid good money. This job is the best job in the world. You could be out like my dad scaffolding every day in the dirt, or my mum folding towels all day in the laundry. These players are getting paid great money to do the best job in the world. So they need to come in every day with that focus and determination. Yeah, really it starts again, you know, you know the way it is. We start again, we come in, we regroup and we start building up towards Rotherham and we know what this league's like, this league's relentless, but we've got to make sure that every day we've got intensity. So they'll get the rest tomorrow and we just go again. Nothing changes, guys. What's the target this season
1: Mark? What would the success be to
0: you? Guys, you honestly right, my target is this, right? Focus on the training daily, keep developing these young players. And keep winning games. That's all I focus on, guys. I kind of concentrate on what happened at the past, or where we could be. All I know is where we're at at the moment, and what I know is I trust in my work and the staff's work to make these players better. And we're going to keep doing that daily.
1: You've had three games now, up to ten days. What have you seen in this squad to fulfil?
0: Well, guys, it was a murder start, wasn't it? Because you've got two, two games down there. Red and the way who are flying. And you've got Luton Town, who are one of the most competitive teams in the league. So what I would say to you is there is that they've shown that they've got a real resilience about them and they can make reactions when they have adversity in the games and there's more room for improvement, which is the pleasing thing. But, like you said today, that first half is no, I'm not satisfied with. And I think you probably heard this from the press box there, from the... From the half time talk, but I'm sorry, guys, that's the way it's going to be because I need to challenge these guys to get to the levels that I know they're capable of. They're not doing it for me, they're doing it for themselves because if they do well, they get the rewards financially and they get the success as well. And that's what it's got to be about. That's the culture we're creating. Mark, I think, I think you were saying
2: after you got the job, you have some fantastic well wishes. Yeah, and after you. how useful is that contact book going to be?
0: As you move forward guys I'm in a very privileged situation right and I have to tell you all now right I'm not going to talk about Bundesliga or anything anymore because it's done I'm proud to be here in the championship this is where I want to be and I want to work and I always had in my head that I would come here and work but like we said a young Scottish man with a young family but is able to sit on the table with the Magats the Clinsmans the Henkes the Tommy Oros of the world that's the table I've been sitting at no sitting outside, sitting on the table, listening to how the build teams, listening to what it takes to win games and to be at the level there at a Champions League and everything. And that's been very, I've been very fortunate to be in that situation. But, as I said, I'm Mark. I'm the guy that comes from Dundee. I'm the guy that's going to put my identity on this team alongside my fantastic staff that are working day and night, by the way, to go and try and win games and to show these young players what it takes. I mean lads, you could see they're causing teams big problems together and they're building up a real good relationship with each other. They just drag defenders into different areas and they really are starting to play with intensity. It's not only what they're doing with the ball that's impressing me, it's their work rate off the ball. You could see how hard they are pressing straight line pressure against the players who are in possession and they're doing it from within our structure, not just doing it for the sake of running to show all the fans they're working, they're doing it for the, the, the to be positive for the group and the team. Cool. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Have a good weekend. Thank you, guys. Have a good weekend. It's lovely to meet you all. I hope you are starting to understand this squash <laughs> yeah, accent. Yeah. All right? Wish you good day, a good day, Cheers. Yeah.